right, Ethan said he wanted to, to sing again. So come on up here. You gonna you gonna do this again? You gonna mess this up again? Uh, no. You don't want it? Uh, I promise I won't. Okay. All right, you gonna have to sing real loud. Uh, okay. Look over there. Oh. Yeah, now now do it. Keep going. Good job. You step here, you can preach. You can bow. That's probably what Elvis looked like when he was singing in church, jiggling like that. Uh, all right. So we got a few things uh, real quick this morning and. All right, that is it. Um, Luke chapter 8, if you got your Bibles, Luke chapter 8. Oh, and Mary brought uh, apple butter that, from what I heard, more slaved over for like 10 or 12 hours yesterday. I didn't hear that. I just heard Morris did it. I didn't hear anything about you. No. <laughs> uh, but there's some apple butter out here with white, uh, with white lids on them um, that will not seal um, because they're, it's freezer lids. So as y'all go out, grab you some apple butter. First come, first serve. There's not many out there, and I don't want to see any fights in the parking lot. Luke chapter 8. Uh, and we're going to look at something. We was actually supposed to have a guest here today with us, uh, Maria's cousin-in-law, I guess. I don't know how you say that, but Kayla Townsend was going to be up here with us today and her family, but the little girl got sick. Um, we were going to talk about testimonies, and I've never heard it before. Maria's heard it, this this young lady uh, that has a very powerful testimony and I've, I've picked on her all the time we've been trying to line this up for months just timing is never right between the two of us and I've never heard it and I always pick on her about refusing to listen to it because I want to be as moved by it in person as I've heard others talk about uh, she was going to come up and give her testimony we'll get her up here sometime she was going to do it uh, after the preaching service and we was going to tie all this together and so as I was studying this week and trying to prepare, I, I would just kind of ask myself the simple question, what is a testimony? It's a, it's a question that we talk about this all the time, but it's a question we probably should ask ourselves, what is a, what is a testimony? And the de- there's two definitions for it. The definition, um, I think this is Webster's, is a public recounting of a religious experience. Again, it's a public recounting of a religious experience. That's you telling one, two, three, ten, twenty, a hundred people, whatever it is. That's you telling people about your experience with Jesus, whether it be your your when you were saved, your salvation testimony, or what God has done for you in your life, whatever it may be. But it is a public announcement. It's a public uh, recounting of that experience. But the other definition I found is it's a message of what a person's life was like before Jesus and what it's like after Jesus. What the person's life was like before salvation and what it's like after salvation. Because it's supposed to be a big change. And people should be able to see that. But people also want to hear it. I love to hear it. I love to hear people talk about it. What God done for them, not just through salvation, but like with Mary. We were talking about the, the transplant. You know, what a testimony. And we've heard her testimony. We've heard her talk about that. And that's what we want to hear. We want to continue to hear that. 
I, I dread the day, and I hope I'm not here for the day, that people just stop giving testimonies. We, we want to hear it. It's encouraging. It's encur- and you may not even know it. There may be somebody in the church that just needs to be encouraged. may not be the entire congregation. It might just be one or two people. But it's an encouraging thing to hear somebody give their testimony. Well, this morning we're going to look at the story of a man who experienced a dramatic life change. Very dramatic life change. And you talk about night and day, this man was night and day. So if you've got your Bibles, stand with me. We're going to look at Luke 8, 26. Luke 8, 26. The Bible says, And they arrived at the country of the Gadarians, which is over against Galilee. And when he went forth to land, there met him out of the city a certain man which had devils long time and wear no clothes, neither abode in any house but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and he fell down before him and with a loud voice said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God, most high? I beseech thee, torment me not. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man, for oft times it had caught him, and he was kept bound with chains and in fetters, and he brake the bands and was driven of the devil into the wilderness. And Jesus asked him, saying, What is thy name? And he said, Legion, because many devils are entered into him. And they besought him that he would not command them to go out into the deep. And there was there... Uh, and heard of many swine feeding on the mountain, and they besought him that he would suffer them to enter into them, and he suffered them. And he went, uh, sorry, then went the devils out of the man and entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the lake and were choked. When they that fed them saw what was done, they fled and went and told it in the city and in the country. Then they went out to see what was done and came to Jesus and found the man out of whom the devils were departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. They also, which saw it, told them by, that, by what means he that was possessed of the devils was healed. Then the whole multitude of the country of the Gadarians round about besought him to depart from them, for they were taken with great fear, and sorry, I got wrinkles in my pages. And he went up into the ship and returned back again. Now the man out of whom the devils were departed besought him that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, now listen to this part here. Return to thine own house and show how great things God hath done unto thee. And he went his way and published throughout the whole city how great things Jesus had done unto him. Let's pray. Lord, this morning as uh, we, Lord, it's just a, it's a, humbling, it's just a humbling time, just a, a time right now, Father, to stand before a congregation, Lord, to stand behind this sacred desk, Lord, to just to preach for a moment. Lord, I thank you for my testimony. Lord, thank you for saving me. I may not say it as much as I should. I may not give my testimony as much as I should. But, Lord, I'm just like this, this man named Legion. Prior to salvation, God, I, I was lost. After salvation, Father, I'm a free man. God, I thank you for that. And I pray, God, today that as we, we look at this individual and we look at what you can do for each one of us, 
I pray that it stirs us. Lord, it, it, it puts a little bit of uh, spark under us, God, where we can go out and, and, and give our testimony, whether we do it here at the church or we give it out at Dollar General, it doesn't matter. God, I pray that you give us opportunity to tell others about how your son Jesus Christ has saved us from hell. But Lord, how much he loves us and how he's here for us and what a friend he is and how he's here to help us when we're in need. And God, I pray today that we would take this serious. Lord, that we would we would focus on our testimony. But more importantly, God, I pray that after today is said and done, that each one of us can stand and say we have that testimony. It's an important thing to have. And I pray, God, that you would continue to build up our testimony by, by working in our lives, working in this church, Lord, just by using us as vessels here on earth. Lord, we thank you and we praise you. I'll listen to your son's name we pray. Amen. All right, you can have a seat. I want to look at four changes Jesus brought to this man's life and what changes Jesus can bring to your life. There was multiple changes, and every one of us have multiple changes in our lives. Some, sudden. All of a sudden, you're saved and things change and everybody can see it. Sometimes it's gradual. What we're going to see in this individual right here, this, this man called Legion, there was a lot took place in just a few short verses. And we're going to be flipping back and forth between Mark and Luke. Sorry, I, I'm, I'll try to do all the flipping so y'all just stay in one spot there. But the first thing I'm going to look at this morning is Jesus changed where this man lived. Now, I cannot imagine living where this man lived. Now, I know that, especially over in, in Europe, that they have guardhouses in cemeteries, and they have night watchmen that are in those cemeteries to watch to make sure that the grave robbers don't come in and that nothing is disturbed there. I can't imagine living there. I kind of don't think of them as those guys at the dumps now. You know how they've got those little, all the dump sites have those little buildings that the guys set in and they got their little microwave and their recliner and that's pretty much it. I don't know where these bathroom. But they've got these, so that's what I think about with these cemeteries. You got these guys sitting in these little boxes making sure nobody disturbs it. Back then they didn't have these guys, which is probably a good thing because Legion would have probably scared the fire out of every one of them because this man was alive and this man lived in the tombs. Now, we don't know much about the tombs that he lived in. We don't have a lot of details about it because there were different types of tombs back in those days. It could have been a rock box, the same as our coffins right now. It would have been the same thing. He could have been living in a coffin, which is kind of disgusting if you think about it. They could have... Here, he could have pushed the bones over to one side and made room for himself. Could have been empty. Don't know. It could have been a cave. You know, we talk about tombs at the sepulcher where Jesus was buried. We know that it was a cave with a rock rolled in front of it. And it had a slab for the bodies to lay on because they used the same tomb over and over and over again. After about a year or so, they would go into these tombs, the families, and they would gather the bones out of these tombs to make way for the next family member that passed away. And they would put these bones in a, what's called an, an ossuary. And they would, it's a bone box. It's like, a, it's just an oversized shoe box or boot box. And they'd put these bones down in that and they'd take it home and just hang on to it. Kind of like a, an urn for a cremation. But we don't know where the man lived. All we know that the man lived in a tomb. He could not be at home. He couldn't be with his friends. He couldn't be with his family. This man was possessed. He was hurting himself. 
We don't know if he hurt others, but we know that he was hurting himself. But he lived in a tomb, and he was there for shelter. It became his home. <clears throat> Verse 29 tells us that the demons that had possessed his body had driven him into a lonely place. <clears throat> kind of like the individual Keith's talking about this morning. You become a, a miserable person. You, you get pushed into a lonely place when you are wrestling with the devil. But sometimes when you're wrestling with God, it can put you in a lonely place because you, you're, you're ill and you're hateful and you, you, just, you want to answer God, you want to obey God, you don't want to obey Him yet. You know He's working in your life so you can become a miserable person so you go off to a lonely place. This man was miserable because of the demons, not because of God, but because of the demons, and he was miserable. And so he went and he lived alone. He was separated from his family, separated from his friends. He had no comforts. Think about when we go home here shortly, all the comforts. I told Maria this morning, I think it was this morning or last night, one, I said, I hope it pours a rain after church Sunday because I just want to sit in my recliner and not do squat this evening. I just, I, but only if it rains, because if it's pretty, I feel like I've got to be doing something. This man didn't have those comforts. I can go home and get in my recliner and the air conditioner drop down where we've got icicles forming on the roof. That's the way I like it. Cold. we got comforts. This man had no comforts. He had a box or a cave. He didn't have a stitch of clothes on. He's naked. He had nothing like we have. He had no comforts. Because he was a miserable person. But then, towards the end of the story, what do we see? My favorite part. Jesus sent him home. Now, we talk about the lepers. Those lepers, they couldn't be home. They, couldn't, they, they were in the garbage heaps. They were out in the dumps. They were outcasts. They were on the hills far away where they couldn't be around anybody but other lepers. This man wasn't even around other demon-possessed people. He was around dead bodies. And he comes, Jesus comes up, and this man comes to him. Jesus casts these things out into the hogs, and then he says, go home. Go home. That man probably ran the fastest he's ever ran in his life. Can you imagine, if you've ever been away from home for a long period of time, you know that, the way, this always bothered me, coming back home, I always fly in and out of Charlotte. I always fly in and out of Charlotte. But there's a stretch right about Hudson on 321. It drives me crazy because I can see the mountains straight ahead. And I know that it's going to take me about an hour to get there. And that makes me so mad. I'm ready to get home. I want to get home as quick as I can. I think I can get out and run faster than the car will let me drive sometimes. But that man finally gets to go home. Jesus commanded him. He said, go home. Go see your friends. Go see your family. You ain't seen them in a while. And that man is all giddy, and he took off to go see his family. Look at verse 39 again. It says, Return to thine own house, and show how great things God hath done unto thee. God, or Jesus said, Go home and give me testimony. Go home and tell them how good God has been to you. Go home. Now, after Jesus cast out the demons, he told this man, You better run. Mark uh, 5.19 says, Go home to thy friends. Mark says thy friends. Luke says return to thine own house. He doesn't say anything about friends or family, but he did. both of them said go home. Now, according to Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz, there is no place like home. That's, that's, I'm not sure if that's biblical or not, but the woman said it, and I believe it. 
There is no place like home. There is not a place. On my phone, if I if I was to dial my home number, now, of course, everybody's got their cell phones, and, I mean, I hadn't really memorized the number since 1998 or 99 or something like that. But if I say I need to call home, I will call 297-4208. That's my parents' number. In my mind, home is still with my parents, even though I know our home phone number is 297-7343. But if I have to dial it, I'm going to dial 4208 every time. It's, it's the weirdest thing. That's home. There is no place like home. There's no place like being with family, being with my youngins or being with my parents or being with my sister and my nephews, even my brother-in-law sometimes. But there's no place like being at home. And so this man had been pretty much banned from his house. And he's probably like Dorothy. He's probably clicking his heels on the way back to the house to go see his family. Imagine that glad reunion day this man experienced when he got home. It was a reunion because of Jesus. Because of Jesus, he got to see his family. It was an incredible occasion that it, it must have been the best thing that ever happened to him to be healed, have the demons cast out, and to be able to be reunited with his family. That's salvation for us. For those family members that we have had that have gone on before us, that are in heaven now waiting, that's what salvation looks like. When we allow Jesus to come into our lives and, and rid us of the sin and the guilt and all the bad things that are in our lives, we allow him to get rid of it and allow him to come into our lives, that's when he says, you can come home now. Amen. You can come home. You can come to heaven with me. You can come be with your family. Come on home and tell them how good I am to you. Home stirs a, a warm feeling for a lot of people. Home makes you think of family. Home makes you think of friends. Home, for me, makes me think of cornflake chicken and tater wedges. Every time I think that's what my mom fixed me, she knows that's my favorite thing in the world. Cornflake chicken, tater wedges. Maria don't even try because she knows that's my mama's thing. Y'all that were here last Sunday, did you notice that we had tater wedges that my mom brought? Yeah. Y'all that was not here last Sunday, you missed out. <laughs> Those are good tater wedges. She loves me. But think about home and what it makes you feel like. It makes you feel welcomed, wanted. It makes you feel loved. This man had not been welcomed at home. This man did not feel loved. He never felt wanted. We don't know how he felt. He was demon-possessed. But all that was gone because of Jesus now. And now he could go home and feel loved. Home stirs up warm feelings, though. Home is where your heart is. Maybe this morning you're not living in a graveyard like this man was, but you, you kind of feel dead inside. Maybe this morning you got some issues going on that you've got to get taken care of at home so that you can get outside that cemetery and start living a better life, a life that's warm and, and loving at home. Maybe you just feel separated and alone as this man was living on his own, just like this guy, uh, Legion. Maybe you just feel separated from your family. Maybe you feel separated from your friends. You just need an experience with Jesus. You just need for him to step into your life and get rid of whatever's bothering you. He can do it. We've seen him do miraculous things. He can do it. 
You need that experience. Secondly, Jesus changed his behavior and his mind. Jesus does a lot of things for us. You know, he changed his home here. He said, you can leave the cemetery and go back to your people. But through salvation, he changes your mind and your heart as well. He changes us. That's what he's supposed to do is to, to make a, a change in us that we have never experienced before in our lives. Now, this, the Bible says this man was a wild man. A wild man. Now, I, I may have mentioned this. Me and Keith may have even had this conversation about where they think John the Baptist and Legion was the same person. This is hilarious. It's, it's a whole new, one of those conspiracy theories. But they think it's one and the same name. We'll talk about that because it ain't, it ain't true. Verse 29 tells us that after the demon had, a, had seized him and possessed this man, he had broken chains. Uh, verse 29 again, let me read that. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man, for oft times it had caught him, and he was kept bound with chains and in fetters, and he brake the bands and was driven of the devil into the wilderness. He's a wild man, and he had fetters and chains on him, cuffs on him. He was bound in more than one way. He's bound by the demons, but he's bound physically by these chains. This man probably tried living in his hometown, but he became hopeless. He became wild. It's, it's like those individuals, and I hate to even bring it up, but you think about people that have uh, dementia or Alzheimer's. At some point in, the, in, the, in the, the tail end of it, sometimes they can get out of hand. One of the worst things I remember ever seeing, two worst things I ever remember seeing, was my grandpa with his hands buckled to the, the bed in the hospital because he was getting so combative. Marie's dad was the same way. Bothered me to no end. To, to see somebody strapped down to, so that they didn't hurt themselves, but they didn't hurt others. And that's what was going on with this man. He was strapped. He was chained. He was, he was buckled down at first probably at home so that he didn't hurt himself or hurt, hurt others. But it got out of hand, and he got, he got strength. These demons give him strength, and he would break these shackles, and he would hurt himself. And the Bible says that, that he cut himself with rocks. He hurt himself. He may have hurt others. The demons gave him that kind of strength. Uh, Mark 5, 4 says, Neither could any man tame him. I'm sure they tried. You know his family tried to, to tame him, to help him, to, to give him some relief, to do something. Back then they didn't have what we have now in medicine, but they tried. Society tried to control him through those chains and shackles. That was the best they had. They didn't have any type of medicine to give him to calm him down. So what did they do? They just bound him up. That's the best they could do, but they did try. Jesus controlled him through deliverance, though. Another thing here that I want to look at briefly is about his abnormal behaviors that he was mutilating himself. We don't talk about that. We know that he's bound, but we don't like talking about people harming themselves because that's not a good thing. You know, you're, you're, a lot of people do that as attempted suicide or trying to, uh, to get attention from others. That's not what was going on here. He wasn't trying to get attention. Mark 5, 5 says, cutting himself with stones. We don't know if he did this because of demons in him or, or if it was because of suffering from the demons. He may have been just trying to get the, bleed the demons out. We don't know. Either way, he had scars all over him. But Jesus stepped in. Jesus stepped in and Jesus tamed that beast. He tamed that beast. Nobody else could do it. Friends, family, community, whatever. 
rabbis, whatever was out there at that time, nobody could tame him. It took Jesus to tame the beast. It took Jesus to step in and fix his heart. It took Jesus to step in and cast out those demons. It took Jesus. It will always take Jesus to fix things. We can't do it on our own. We can't fix it. Our family can't fix these things. But we know beyond the shadow of a doubt, and we've seen what he can do in this church, and we've read what he can do in the Bible, we know he can fix these things. He will cast them out. He tames them. Mark 5, 6 says, But when he saw Jesus afar off, I love this, he ran and worshipped him. He didn't just meander down through there. He didn't just take his time kicking an old Coke can down the road and, and just you know lollygag around. Bible says that when he seen Jesus afar off, he ran and he worshipped him. That's two parts. He ran to him and then he worshipped him. He didn't linger. This shows the difference in his, in his running there and how he was after Jesus cast out the demons. He ran to Jesus, spoke to Jesus. Jesus spoke to him. Jesus cast the demons out. But where do we see him next after that? This, this is the part I like. He was down here at Jesus' feet, and he's listening. And he was looking at him. He's probably praising him and thanking him for all that he just done for him, for giving him his life back because he had no life. He had no life. So he ran to Jesus, and once he was saved and healed, he sat at Jesus' feet. I kind of think that's what heaven's going to look like. We ran to him here at the church. We ran to him wherever you got saved. But I've always said when we get to heaven, I, I don't know how many millions of years that I'll just be sitting at Jesus' feet and just thanking him and listening to him and being in his presence. We're going to be just like Legion. We ran to him down here on earth. And we're going to sit at his feet when we get to heaven. Mark 5.15 says that he is with Jesus. But listen to what he done to him. He was calm, he was clothed, and he was peaceful. He was calm, clothed, and peaceful. And we'll talk about all those here shortly. This man was in his right mind. No longer was he a wild man. He wasn't naked anymore, and he wasn't running all over the cemetery, and he wasn't cutting himself. He was a brand new man. He was cleaned up and ready to go home. Third thing, Jesus changed this man's clothes. Now, we don't talk about things like this very often, but... Jesus changed his clothes. Ethan, do you change your clothes? When they start to stink a little bit, do you change them? Yeah. Is that okay? You can wear that another couple days. Turn it inside out. Jesus changed his clothes. Now remember this man was naked. And when I say naked, I mean naked. He didn't have a stitch of clothes on. He wasn't wearing his little whitey tidies or nothing like that. He was completely naked and he was running around in the cemetery cutting himself. He scarred all to pieces. People didn't want to be around him. I don't blame them. Verse 27 said this man was, was uh, possessed by the demon, that he was so possessed by the demon that he had lost all sense of common decency. Let me flip back over here and read that again. And when he went forth to, 
to land, there met him out of the city a certain man which had devils long time, and listen, and wear no clothes, neither abode in any house but in the tombs. He no longer wore clothes, and he went around just, just naked as the day he was born. But after he meets Jesus, he was clothed with righteousness. That's what Jesus does to us. We take off this old man. We take off this old stinky garment of flesh that we have on. And then he puts on the robe of righteousness. He cloaks us in righteousness. He gives us clothing that we've never even experienced in our whole life. He puts on something onto us that we, a lot of times I don't think we know what to do with it. It's so new to us. After Jesus cast out the demons in verse 35, it tells us that he was clothed. Go back over here to it. Then they went out to see what was done and came to Jesus and found the man out of whom the devils were departed. Listen, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Clothed and in his right mind. Luke shows us that Jesus makes an impact on our life even in little practical ways. Just like this. He went from naked to clothed in righteousness. Colossians 3, 9 and 10 says this, Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Now pay attention to these words right here. Put off and put on. Put off and put on. That's what Jesus is doing right here. Not the way Paul uses getting dressed in a way to describe Jesus and how Jesus has brought life to us. We are to take off our sinful nature and put on righteousness. That's the way, as a, as a preacher, when I stand up here and somebody comes to the altar, especially when they're saved, that's the way I, I see it. It's like they, they, they get down here and they pray and they ask Jesus into their heart and they take off the robe. They take off the old man. I can't take this off. It's kind of wired to me right now. But they take it off and they lay it down here. And it's like Jesus stands right over their shoulder and he puts that robe of righteousness right around them, gathers them up, gives them a hug, loves on them, and they go on their way with that new clothing on them. Fourth thing, last thing. Jesus changed this man's voice. Changed his voice. I've tried to imagine this. I have said, I've read this. I read this scripture over and over and over in my mind. And I can't imagine what it sounded like. I've never met someone that was demon-possessed that actually spoke. I heard them screaming. And that's kind of the way I can imagine it. When I was in Haiti and the, the demon-possessed man came through our camp, that's, that's all I could ever remember. I've never talked to him. I've only seen the movies and imagine what these people sound like. But this man was controlled by the demons. Mark 5, 5 says, And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, and it says crying. Now this wasn't crying like wham wham crying. This, this was a, a whole nother, this was, I don't know what, it was like a shrieking sound, like a scream, like a howl. This man was that possessed. 
But it says, not just at night was he shrieking, but it says, not in day. He was crying. He was shrieking. He was howling. He was hollering. He's making a racket up there in the, in the, in the cemetery. And it, it's, it's, a, it's a voice that, that was not human. It was not something that we can ever imagine because it was the demons speaking. It was the demons screaming. He was so much in so much torment from the demon, he screamed. He was suffering. My mind kind of goes back to when we talk about hell and the, what it sounds like in hell, the screaming, the moaning, the, 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 just the crying and the wailing that takes place in hell. And I don't know if this is kind of like what that would sound like. I don't know. But I can only imagine that it's something that would make the hair stand up on the back of your neck. It would not sound pleasant at all. But listen to this man's voice when he speaks to Jesus over in Luke 8:28. Listen to what he says and try to put a demonic spin on this. In your mind, try to listen to what or try to figure out what you think this would sound like. What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of God most high? I beseech thee, torment me not. Of course, that's old English. That's not exactly the way that he would have said it, but just think about an Aramaic. Put a German spin on Aramaic and make it sound real hateful. Probably be about what that sound like. I think you can tell that by these words right here, this man was not a man from his hometown, but this man was possessed by something out of the pits of hell. This man was possessed. And this, this demon right here was speaking through him. Jesus, trying to, to touch this man's humanity, Guess what he did? I love this. Because Jesus had compassion and humility, Jesus had love for this man. Jesus didn't say, get away from me. He didn't say, I don't want nothing to do with you. Go, go back in the cemetery. He didn't toss him a dollar. He didn't pitch him a coat. What did he do? He said, what's your name? What's your name? Don't that sound like something Jesus would say? What's your name? That right there to me showed Jesus cared. Somebody comes up to you and, and without you trying to sound nosy or be nosy, pray for so-and-so. <clears throat> Do you mind if I have their name, please? Because I want to be specific. I want to pray specifically for that person. Not that I'm going to tell a soul, but I want to be specific. When I call out their name, I want to call it out to Jesus to make sure, to make sure that I get everything right and to be as specific as possible with my prayer life. Jesus said, what's your name? <laughs> you think Jesus was asking the man himself, but the demons had control of him, and those demons spoke up. He said, Legion, for we are many. We are, there's a bunch of us in here. This man probably used, used to worship God. He probably used to praise God. And I think that put a fear in those demons, knowing that when the Son of God was on scene, things were about to happen. Things were about to change.
And after Jesus delivered him, verse uh, 38 says, the man begged Jesus to let him go, let him go with him. Now this man, out of whom the devils were departed, besought him that he might be with him, but Jesus sent him away. Tell him go home. Lord, can I just stay with you? Thank you so much for healing me. Lord, thank you so much for casting out my, these demons inside of me. Lord, thank you for all that you have done for me. Can I stay with you? And Jesus says, no, go home. No, go home. Because that man had a testimony. That man, if he had stayed with Jesus, would have just stayed with Jesus and wouldn't have told anybody else about what was going on or what happened. But Jesus said, go home and tell everybody what God's done for you. He used him there. He used him outside of Jesus' ministry. But the thing is, Jesus, when he spoke to him, and that man spoke back, that man was using his own voice because God changed his voice. God made a change in his life. He no longer has those demon-possessed uh, vocal cords. It's his own voice. Maybe God is telling you to change your voice. Maybe he's telling you to clean up your speech. Maybe he's telling you to use the tool that he has given you so that you could speak or sing or preach, like Keith's talking about, whatever it might be. Give your testimony. Maybe God wants you to use your voice in a way that would honor him and praise him. But God wants you to use your voice. Don't use the voice of the world, but use your voice, the one that he gave you. Verse 39, Jesus told his, this man to return home and tell others how much God had done for him. Tell the story of the change Jesus brought to your life. Tell everybody that you come in contact with what God has done for you. That's all he asked him to do. Go and tell everybody. But that's the great commandment right there. That's the great commission. He told us all to go to the uttermost parts of the world. He said, go to all four corners. He said, go and tell every nation about Jesus. Go everywhere and tell everyone about the Son of God. You don't have to go just to Africa for a testimony. You don't have to be a witness over in Asia. You don't have to go to South America and preach. You can go anywhere you want to. You got coworkers, schoolmates, friends, neighbors, loved ones, relatives, whatever you want to call them. Tell them the great things God has done in your life. I'm going to finish with this. A follow-up. I love follow-up reports, especially the good ones. I, back when I was active, really active in the fire service, when we run a, a medical call, CPR or a car wreck or something like that, something that was tragic or traumatic. And the person, once when I had them, they were alive, but we knew that it didn't look too good and there was a chance that they might pass away at the hospital or something like that. I would call, especially if we had wings come in, fly in and fly them out. I would call the next day and do a follow-up report with them. I'd say, how's so-and-so doing? Well, he's doing great. He was speaking to us when we got here or... His family's up there with him right now. He's, he's going to make a full recovery. I love those follow-up reports. Well, Mark gives us a little follow-up report about this man. Mark 5.20 says this. 
And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things because how great things Jesus had done for him, and all men did marvel. He did what God told him to do. He did what Jesus told him to do. He went and he told others the great things that God had done. I just love that kind of feedback. It says, all men did marvel. All men did marvel at the change Jesus had brought in this man's life. Just a fact, the visual fact. Can you just imagine the last time this man's family or friends seen him was probably from a distance while he was in the cemetery running around naked with rocks in his hand. And then he shows up home, clothed in his right mind. He didn't have to say a word. I bet you they knew what happened. They knew what was going on. Amen. He could see it. People should be able to see your testimony. People should be able to see that smile on your face and that happy-go-lucky uh, lifestyle that you have because you've got Jesus. You've got a Savior. So people should see that and hear that. Jesus can change anyone's life. You don't have to be demon-possessed. Sometimes I think people are. Sometimes I think people are just flat out mean, and they like it that way. You know what? Jesus can change them too. There are mean people. Jesus can change their hearts. Jesus can change the hardest of hearts. He's mobile. So I'm going to close on this question. I'm going to ask you a question. And I want you to think about it and pray on it. This is between you and God. What kind of changes do you need in your life? We just read four changes that God made in this man's life. There's more, but we just picked out four. What kind of change do you need in your life? And I'll tell you right now, it can happen. It can happen. And it will happen. If you'll do just like this man right here did, Run to Jesus. Just run to Jesus. Don't walk. Don't tarry. And crawl if that's the only way you can get there. But go to Jesus and let Him help you. Let Him remove the obstacle in your life. But let Him. Let Him. Let's pray. Lord, this evening as we close out this service, Lord, there's so many changes that each one of us probably needs in our lives, whether it be attitude, whether it be physical or spiritual, emotional, whatever it might be, Lord, I know that each one of us has something that we'd like to change in our lives. And God, I pray that through the message today, Lord, as we looked at this man, Legion, as we looked at just how powerful your son, Jesus Christ, is. How he could cast out those demons. Lord, we know that you can make that same change in our lives that you made in Legion's life. And God, I pray today that if there'd be one here that's feeling convicted, something going on in their lives that, that they need help with, something, some change that they need to make in their life, God, I pray that they would seek your face, ask for guidance, ask for help from you. Lord, don't let them wait 
Don't let them walk to the house and then ask, God, I pray that right now that they would just run to you. Run to you as fast as they've ever run before and ask for help, just like this man did. We know you can help. We know that you can heal. We know that you can move in our lives. Lord, you can cast out the demons. You can perform all kinds of miracles. Lord, if there's somebody here today that needs that miracle of change in their heart, I pray that they'd ask today and receive that blessed gift from you. God, we thank you so much, for again, for this message. Thank you so much for this illustration that's been given to us in the Bible. Lord, I pray that it makes us stronger, brings us closer to you, makes our faith stronger, knowing just how powerful and in control that you are. We love you and we praise you this evening. All this in your son's name we pray. Amen. All right, we're going to... I'll ask if anybody has anything they'd like to say. That's a, that is a, that can be overwhelming sometimes. I've sat in churches where all they can do is stand up and cry. I've sat in churches where they talk for a long time. But I'll ask this morning if anybody has anything they'd like to say before we close out and dismiss. Somebody else said, there's two at one time. <laughs> oh, it's one of those miracles. We've seen him do a lot in you, just right here. <laughs> Not, just, I don't know, it's like he just placed you here at the right time, just to, every time he, that, that phone, I, I never forget the phone call you got, was it last year, two years ago, when, you thought the liver was being rejected, and nope, it wasn't. Yep. Yep. Anybody else? So now Clayton's gonna get quiet. Well, I appreciate everybody being here today, and again, just uh, we have still have some traveling. Be in prayer for them that they get back safely. And for those that are, and like I said, I might joke a little bit about that decoration thing, but I know it's a big deal. Um, I don't know how important that is. And it's a time of, again, fellowship. It's, a, it's almost a family reunion. And it may be about the only time that people get to see each other. And so um, just pray if there be any, uh, anything, any discord or anything in the family that through this time that they have together that they can get over it uh, and get back together as a family. I know that uh, a lot of times in, in funerals that... Um, Things are brought out, but things can actually be resolved there as well. So pray if there's anything that needs to be resolved between families that happen at these decorations. All right. All hearts and minds clear? We're out to put plugs in them outlets. Clayton's going to test the breaker box out. <laughs> All right, you're dismissed. We'll see you Wednesday. <laughs>